You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. In this episode, we continue our World Cup Digest where we cover latest matches and news. Today, we'll be talking about the matches that were played at Southampton, India versus South Africa, and at the Oval, uh, Bangladesh against New Zealand. These were match, match uh, eight and match nine that was played on 5th of June. Uh, let me welcome my co-host, Ajit. Hi, Ajit. Hi, Giri. I'm doing all right. How about you? Yeah, it's now getting a bit overwhelming, the amount of cricket that's being played, I think, uh, on a day-to-day basis. Yesterday, uh, I think yesterday we had a close game, right, Uh, between uh, Sri Lanka and Afghanistan, for example. Of course. And uh, continuing in the same vein, I think the next doubleheader on the 5th of June was also uh, a bit tantalizing, I would say. At least one of the matches was. Did you catch them both? Well, I mean, I could not catch too much of the India-South uh, Africa match, but uh, mm-hmm. I caught most of the second half of uh, uh, New Zealand versus Bangladesh match. I was listening to it, uh, doing things, mm-hmm. cooking on and off. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I agree that it became very, very close and interesting towards the end. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. before that, shall we look at the South Africa-India match? Yeah, let's do that. Um, South Africa and India played at Southampton. Um, so it, it's a fairly bigger ground, I, I have to say, and this was expected to be a high-scoring game, considering uh, the recent history at the ground. Long boundaries, though. Uh, South Africa won the toss, and surprisingly, uh, Faf2Plessy decided to bat first. India were playing their first game. Uh, Virat Kohli at the toss said he would have bowled first anyway. I see. So it was probably what they wanted, what both the teams wanted. So uh, India came out to bowl. Uh, they were very tight. Um, Bhuvneshwar Kumar and uh, Jasprit Bumrah bowled really well in the first power play. Um, the openers, Amla and uh, De Kock, fell very early to Bumrah mm-hmm. uh, with some very good fast bowling. Um, and then uh, Faf Duplessis and Rassi van der Dusen tried to stabilize the innings in the middle order. Uh, both uh, Faf and uh, Rassi van der Dusen all got off to uh, some start. I think Faf got 30-odd runs and Rassi van der Dusen got 22 runs. But they were both bowled uh, beautifully by Yuzvendra Chahal, the spinner. And then uh, we had the other guys like David Miller and JP Dumini. David Miller uh, you know, played for a bit. I think he, he looked scratchy, but he, he stayed out in the middle for uh, for a fair bit of time. He scored 31 runs before he was again cotton-bowled by... Uh, Yuzvendra Chahal, so another wicket for the spinner there. And then um, Dumini was out cheaply to uh, Kuldeep Yadav, uh, LBW. Um, Andile Pakhlokwayo and uh, Chris Morris um, added some runs towards the end of the batting order. Pakhlokwayo made 34 runs uh, in 61 deliveries. was a very patient innings from him before he was stumped by Dhoni uh, of the bowling of Chahal for 34 runs. Uh, Chris Morris uh, provided some fireworks till uh, towards the end, along with uh, Kahi Sorabada. Uh, both of them, uh, Kahi Sorabada, in fact, remained not out on 31, while uh, Morris was out on 42. And in the end, South Africa managed to score 227 runs uh, in their uh, 50 overs. The bowlers, uh, Bhuvneshwar Kumar, picked up two wickets for 44 runs in his 10 overs. Bumrah, two for 35 in his 10. Um, Hardik Pandya bowled well. Uh, f- 
you know, uh, six overs and 31 runs, but no wickets. Kuldeep Yadav and uh, Yuzivendra Chahal. Between them, they bowled 20 overs and picked up five wickets. Yadav, one for 46, and uh, Chahal, four for 51 in his 10 overs. Uh, almost a fifer, but not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Kedar Jadav bowled his right arm filth, like you say. Uh, four overs of that. Right. Horizontal, whatever, under underarm bowling. I don't know what you call it. Four overs for 16 runs. In response, um, South Africa started really well with their bowling. Uh, they opened again with uh, Imran Tahir and uh, Kahi Sorabara. Uh, they tied down uh, the openers. The, the openers, Shikhar Dhawan and uh, Rohit Sharma, <clears throat> basically could not get away. Uh, get off the blocks very quickly and Davan was eventually out uh, of a beauty uh, from uh, Krahi Sorabara caught behind by uh, De Kock. Right. Rohit Sharma and uh, uh, Virat Kohli managed to uh, stitch a partnership together and when uh, Kohli was dismissed off a brute of a catch, I think that was probably one of the best catches uh, so far by a wicketkeeper in this World Cup. A flying catch by uh, Quinton de Kock off the bowling of Pachlokwayo. Uh, he was out for 18 runs and then India looked in a bit of a trouble uh, but then Rohit Sharma was still there and KL Rahul, uh, you know, they would ro- both of them rotated strike and uh, kept the scoreboard ticking. Uh, when KL Rahul was dismissed for 26 runs off the bowling of Rabada, um, India were 139 runs for three wickets in the 32nd over. Uh, and in joined uh, MS Dhoni, of course. We all know Cool, Calm Dhoni, along with Rohit Sharma. Um, it came very close to a runner ball towards the end. Uh, but with the experience but this, that these two guys have, they knew who, which bowler to target and they ensured that uh, India, you know, uh, romped home with uh, a couple of hours to spare. Um, and uh, Dhoni was out for 34 runs, though, towards the end, uh, cotton-bowled of Chris Morris. Right. Uh, but Hardik Pandya, you know, finished the job along with Rohit Sharma. Rohit Sharma, of course, unbeaten on 122 runs of 144 de- deliveries. Strike rate of 84.72, that, that's not what you expect of him because if he, if he plays a long innings, it's usually case that, you know, he accelerates towards the end, but it was a very patient innings. Uh, he anchored the chase beautifully. Mm-hmm. For the bowlers, the, the spinners from South Africa this time, Imran Tahir and Tabresh Shamsi, both of them were uh, wicketless and they went also for a lot of runs. Uh, Tahir 58 runs in his 10 overs and uh, Shamsi 54 in his 9 overs. Kaki Sorabara was, uh, you know, was the pick of the bowlers with two wickets for 39 runs. Chris Morris bowled miserly spells towards uh, at the beginning of the uh, innings, uh, picked up a wicket for 36 runs with three maidens in his 10 overs. Can you imagine that? Amazing. Pekloquaya yeah. was uh, also successful in getting the wicket of Virat Kohli, but apart from that, India, you know, managed to make uh, short work of the chase, uh, 230 for four wickets. They win by six wickets. Man of the match, Rohit Sharma. So, I mean, if you were to look at you know, the differences between the teams, well, the first thing I think South, South Africa may have misread the pitch a bit or as you were telling me offline, mm-hmm. maybe they were a bit, let's say, underconfident with the bowling. So they wanted to bat first, right? Mm-hmm. Given that Kohli wanted to bowl first, it could also have shown his confidence in his bowling attack. But also I think it means they thought this was not as easy a pitch to bat on as previously in the tournament, right? Yeah. So this is one thing. And they 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 had steady contributions down the order but again the opening partnership failed and this is a stark contrast to what happened with india first of all they had a total that they wanted to chase so they were able to maintain it easily even though shikhar dhawan failed 
um kohli and rahul spent enough time with sharma that you know it did not matter in the long run and of course sharma played a fantastic knock he may have taken 144 balls for his 122 but this is not a target that was going to mm-hmm. test in terms of strike mm-hmm. rates right it looked at times like a slightly difficult pitch so he must be given credit that i think he might have been the batsman who played out all those three maidens from morris because morris and rabada were bowling really well mm. right and they deserve a lot of credit for mainly rabada because he started really well and he made sure the indian batsmen are not going to get away to a 54 no loss sort of a start then the match would have been over right him and uh, morris maintained the pressure right through well until the 20 23rd 25th overs right so they deserve a lot of credit this is one thing when it comes to the indian bowling well look i mm-hmm. think the spinners were the main difference we already highlighted it the indian spinners finished with five wickets right and with an economy rate of about 4.8 between them and the south african spinners did not take a single wicket and they both finished with a, a you know economy rate of close to 6 in over so that was the main difference the way the spinners were played out right and um, i think yashwendra chahal uh, you know has been in, in a in a bit of pressure from kuldeep yadav in the international matches at least because kuldeep yadav was sort of taken over as the primary spinner in the shorter format simply because um, he brings this additional mystery the left arm spin variety right and he's very successful with how he bowls so chahal was probably considered not a regular starter in this 11 but the first chance he gets to bowl uh, with his spin twin he makes sure he makes an impact right he nearly takes a 5 for and if you look at the wickets that he has got also most of his wickets were really gotten through pure guile and pure good spin proper loop you know old school uh, virtues of spin bowling so for example the way he bowled fafty plessy or fander dusen and the cotton bowled specifically mm-hmm. those were like a classic classic you know um leg spinners dismissal same with the stumping mm-hmm. right velu khayo who is a left hander but he spent a lot of time in the end for them to get to even a reasonably good score 227 was thanks to the lower order efforts mainly from peluquayo who held one end but morris and rabada who hit a bit near the end right so morris was a really really broken man yesterday you could see that when he mm. took the last wicket of dhoni he had no no energy to even celebrate because he's given it his all and prior to that he had excellent even better figures than what mm. he finished with in the end he may have mm-hmm. gotten a wicket but he got it for a little because pandya came out and just whacked the remaining balls for a boundary and so on so the real worry for south africa as far as i am concerned is still a non performing opening partnership right a lot of pressure falls on the likes of fafty plessy and fander dusen who are okay but then they shouldn't be carrying that much of a load given that it's amla and the kokko mm. thing right mm. and of course the middle order so david miller may have made 31 but he couldn't carry on and the main point is dumini so he's yeah. played for three consecutive matches he's had three fairly ordinary sort of matches mm. i think this is something they'll need to address quickly right Yeah. They're already in, on the last chance alone. They've lost three and you can imagine they have more tough matches. Australia, West Indies, Pakistan, mm. other teams waiting for them. So it's not going to be easy, right? And Markram, you know, Markram sat this one out uh, because Amla uh, was uh, drafted in. He missed the previous match though, Amla, mm. because he was still, uh, you know, recovering from that uh, hit that right. he got uh, from Jofra Archer. Um, so people are actually questioning. I was listening to Graham Smith's commentary. They were actually questioning Amla's uh, inclusion in this squad. you know that that was a um, bit harsh i mean yeah all right i mean i know he's not really setting it alight but he played really well in the practice matches mm. and i think he was also okay and i think uh, what graham smith also said is uh, in the top 5 if you look at the top 5 ashim amla quinton de kock faf duplessy van der dusen and david miller um you probably have quinton de kock faf duplessy uh, are the only starters so th- those people are automatically included in the squad rasif van der dusen is still relatively new uh, you know to the uh, international circuit so he might be given a chance but the other two uh, amla and miller 
they are not doing enough to stay in the squad and especially JP Dumini. Uh, so I think they might actually promote him in the next match. Let's see, JP Dumini. I think he's probably batting too far down the order. Maybe he, uh, you know, he bats up the order maybe number three or number four. And uh, yeah, I think they they have a huge task ahead of uh, ahead of them. Uh, it, if they turn it around, uh, you know, uh, this this will be a miracle. Because I think three matches, uh, three losses in a row is uh, not good for them as a team. You know, the morale will be very down. And Chris Morris has indicated that in his conference, press conference also, that they are very angry and frustrated with themselves and uh, rightfully so. For the upcoming um, days and matches, the changes that I can foresee for, from South Africa perspective is that Makram probably comes into the squad in the place of JP Domini. Mm-hmm. And probably somebody like uh, Tabre Shamsi may miss out. Right, mm-hmm. and they might look to include the left arm uh, pacer Duran Hendricks has been drafted into mm-hmm. the squad mm-hmm. in his place, and I think it's more of a morale question rather than skills because they are very highly skilled the South African squad, mm-hmm. so it's not that much of a problem, and they really should hope on the seniors performing well. That's what lifted Pakistan out of the problems they were facing. Same for Sri Lanka, right? Mm. So the seniors in the team, I think uh, Imran Tahir had a bad game, but the rest. Like uh, you know, Quinton de Kock, Hashim Amla, and to an extent even Fafdi Plessy possibly, they'll need some big innings from the top three, right? And that will yeah. set the platform. Yeah. All right. Going forward, if you were to look at the next game, the game between Bangladesh and New Zealand, this was this was a real thriller for me because you know this Bangladesh team has this never say die attitude and they bring it out in every match and it was on full flow or on full display, so to say. So because uh, having um, you know, lost the toss and asked to bat. They started reasonably steadily, but the New Zealand Pacers always maintained control. So Amir Sarkar was going at run about 25, and I think he threw his wicket away by going for a leg side hike. That could have changed a little bit of how it, the proceedings went. But Tamim Iqbal played a steady hand, and Shakibul Hassan uh, top scored with 64. But nobody in the rest of the innings really even made a 30, with you know, Mushfikur making 19, Mohamed Mithun 26, Mahmudullah 20, Mosaddiq uh, 11, and uh, Saifuddin 29. Right, so they only managed to get to 2:44 and were all out. So New Zealand were pretty impressive in the field, and also their bowling was very incisive right at the beginning. And towards the end, they showed great control. So Matt Henry finished with four for 47, Trent bowled two for 44, Lockie Ferguson one for 40. For somebody who bowls out and out pace, that was very good figures. Colin de Grandhomme did his controlling role, sort of one for 39, and then Santner. Uh, the spinner also did a very good job taking one for 41 against a Bangladeshi attack or a batting attack who's sort of grown up facing left arm spinners taking one for 41 is a very good achievement i would say right and when it comes to new zealand their innings began pretty well with guttle going after the bowling and same for munro munro slowed down a little afterwards once guttle was dismissed for 25 but he also lost his wicket and sort of he lost his patience it took like and tried to hit uh, shakib out of the attack and give an easy catch uh, so he made 24 then Kane Williamson and uh, Ross Taylor got together and they batted out the best part of 20 overs and they comfortably took New Zealand to 160, adding more than 100 runs, right? At 160 for two came the turning point where first Williamson was dismissed and then Tom Latham was dismissed in the same over. And that sort of set the cat amongst the pigeons, as they say, right? And from then on, Bangladesh continued to make uh, steady uh, let's say inc- incisions. So first of all, uh, Nisham kept uh, Ross Taylor company, and then Colin de Grandhomme kept Nisham company, but they kept losing wickets. So here I would like to again create their never say die attitude and a little bit of little bit of skill and now shown by Marshraf Amortaza, the skipper. Though he, he held himself back from the bowling crease, he showed excellent uh, you know marshalling skills of his troops. 
so hadi uh, took two wickets that i already mentioned but apart from that uh, uh, you know shakib alasan who also took two wickets he's their main spinner of course and saifuddin and mosaddeq hussain who finished the innings or bowled between over number let's say 32 to 45 did most of the really good work because they both took two wickets each but also kept the scoring rate in check and continued to build the pressure on the batters you know new zealand were never behind the run rate that is the required run rate i never think cross six and over but the pressure was always there it was not like the runs were flowing easily so as a result nisham who got out just made 25 colin grandham 15 in the end it fell upon michel santner who scored 17 of 12 balls to take new zealand home right in the company of first matt henry and then lockie ferguson so it may have looked like an easy victory when you look at the scorecard a couple of months down the line it was a much much more keenly contested match so ross taylor finished a man of the match for his you know well played 82 of just 91 balls so he was very crucial of course he made sure the run rate pressure never came up uh, you know i think you have a couple of very uh, important points that you were mentioning to me off air today well at least one uh, um when new zealand came out to bat hmm. i think they were two down right when uh, kane williamson and uh, ross taylor ah, ah. got together so when these two guys got together i think it was probably the 10th over that they came out to bat or they were together and during the 12th over there was a bit of a mix up between uh, taylor and williamson uh, apparently taylor hit the ball towards uh, mid on and uh, scampered through for a quick single uh, while williamson was either ball watching or he was lost in his own world oh. so he had a stumbling start and then he tried to you know run towards the wicketkeeper but he was too late mm. um, and the fielder threw the ball straight at mushfiqur rahim uh, wicketkeeper it was a decent throw it was right next to the stumps but in all this uh, you know uh, when all this was happening uh, mushfiqur rahim accidentally uh, dislodged the bales with his uh, hand or with his you know gloves right before catching the ball ah, ah, ah. Uh, and kane williamson was well short i think he was a couple of meters short of uh, short of uh, the crease okay <laughs> and um, well, yeah i think paul rifle i think was a leg umpire he referred it uh, upstairs and when they saw the replays it was very clear so the bails were already off before he caught the ball so unfortunately uh, it was a not out in terms of run out um, and uh, williamson survived which means you know um, and then again couple of overs later i think they had another mix up oh, i think yeah. it must have been down to ross taylor i don't know if he's a good runner uh, yeah, he's something. he's fast he's fast between the wickets but judge, well i mean i think being a judge a i think yes yeah yes. okay so they had a mix up but i think he i think it was a narrow miss again uh, he, uh, ross taylor survived uh, so this incident uh, that uh, mushfiqur rahim you know missed this uh, run out chance happened in the 12th over and uh, taylor and williamson stayed on for another 20 overs before uh, i think williamson was dismissed in the 32nd overs mm. and by then the score was 160 runs uh, for the loss of two wickets and it became 164-3 when T- williamson got out so until then they you know kept this partnership going and uh, basically steadied the ship uh, for new zealand and did not let any uh, you know collapses happen in the middle order right and then after that you say i think you mentioned offline about uh, how bangladesh you know uh, fought back uh, believing uh, in themselves you know after the fall of williamson and they almost you know gave new zealand a scare there towards the end indeed yeah well i mean overall it was a more let's say fascinating match than as i said comes across from the scoreboard but nonetheless new zealand were at the end you know you can say they were always going to win it they lost uh, three or four wickets more along the way making it more interesting but mm. new zealand uh, might have taken the points but bangladesh will take a lot of heart from this match they may have lost the match but mm-hmm. they can be proud of the way they performed you know they did not mm-hmm. let the opposition walk all over them if i may use mm-hmm. such a term like mm-hmm. the previous match of the day 
right? Mm-hmm. So that will always stand them in the good stead. They've already won a match, but also this is more important for them, right? Mm. That they lost the match after a bitter fight and that will keep their spirits high. These were, uh, let's say, the two matches from uh, yeah, the previous day's play. And um, now looking forward to the match tomorrow, we can say, you know, it's going to be another in- very, very interesting match because Australia will take on uh, the rampaging West Indies. It looks like West Indies have sort of begun to rediscover their, uh, you know, the firepower and the pace battery of the old. Mm-hmm. So they'll be facing them again in Nottingham where, you know, um, West Indies performed really well in the very first match. Of Against Pakistan. Indeed, mm. their first match. So mm. it, it's going to be a mouth-watering contest because Australia being Australia, they are not going to give up easy. And mm-hmm. this West Indies team is on the up. So they are going to be very eager to, you know, uh, trap this Australian team in a bit of complacency if required or even a bit of, you know, bad turn. So this is going to be a wonderful match coming up. So mm-hmm. let's see how that pans out for tomorrow. Right, Kiri? Yeah. With uh, Australia is not such a bad team, right? I mean, we have David Warner and uh, Steven Smith back in the squad. So that will definitely bolster their batting lineup. And they have very good bowlers, right? Cummins, uh, Stark... Uh, Kul Nile, all these people, they are really good bowlers. So it's going to be in a very uh, tightly fought match, I would hope. Yeah. Uh, and let's see what happens. We have well, plenty to talk about tomorrow. Ah, indeed. So, but I would not call Australian team any Australian team, even a depleted one, no. uh, let alone a, such a strong one as a weak team, right? So mm-hmm. let's see. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, going forward, let's look at the trivia question from uh, the previous episode. The trivia question is, Nabi had taken three wickets in one over against uh, Sri Lanka, right, in yesterday's match. So, when was the last time an off-spinner was able to actually do this in a World Cup game? That is, take three wickets or more in a single over. So, the answer to this question was Saklain Mushtaq, who took a hat-trick against Zimbabwe in the 1999 uh, World Cup, right? Going on to the trivia question from uh, today's episode. So, we saw that Chahal picked up actually four wickets in a match against South Africa. Who is the only Indian spinner to have ever taken a five-wicket haul in a World Cup game, right? So uh, the answer is not uh, in some World Cup in the 70s or 80s or something. That's the clue I can offer you. It's in a World Cup that finished not many years ago. Let me put it like that. All right. So you can reach out to us to give us the right answer or for your comments. Uh, You can reach out to us uh, on the social media platforms like Twitter, where we are available at Pod on our Facebook page. Right? You can write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com. Also, because this World Cup keeps going, we'll try to uh, put in as many digests as possible. So do keep listening and keep writing with your thoughts. It's very good for us. It always encourages us. If you also subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you may listen to us, leave us a rating, a five-star one if you think we deserve that, especially like Apple Podcasts and also Podbean. Right? Also, if you ever have a chat with your cricket friends do talk about us maybe you know uh, this is a nice way for us to first of all gain new uh, you know listenership but also maybe we get new ideas so it's always nice for us right all right having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast 